as Lee said, um, it's been an interesting week. Um, it's been an interesting morning. Um, I woke up this morning with thoughts on my head um, and said, God, I, I'm feeling kind of confident that I'm not going to say anything that I've written down. Um, so we're going to see where this goes. Um, it, it, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Maybe more fun for you all than it will feel for me. Um, Uh, you know what is interesting um, when the thing that is burning on you is to sit and understand the Spirit of God and the seven characteristics of the seven spirits of God out, laid out in Isaiah. And you're trying to sit and you're trying to encounter them and get to know them on a personal level. Um, and your heart goes to a place that the only thing that you can continually um, utter out is, God, I surrender my will to you. I surrender my will, I surrender my will over and over and over again. And um, what's interesting is when you say it enough, he's like, okay, let's go do this. Um, and he takes you at your word. Um, so we're going to see where this goes today. <laughs> um, a few things that I've got to do before I start. Um, last time I was up here, I kept trying to ignore some things I was seeing in the room. And I was like, God, I will get to them at the end. Um, and then by the time it was over, I never got back to them. So um, I want to make sure that I do that today. Um, I'm sorry, in the white shirt right here? What? What's your name? Jason. Jason. It's good to meet you. Um, the Lord is getting ready to introduce you to kindness. Um, there's been a lot of your life that you've walked through um, where doors have been closed in front of you. Um, and some things have just kind of, you've kind of been left on your own a lot. Um, and Moses, when he was on the mountain, he said, God, I want to know you. He said, I want to see you. And God said, I'm going to hide you behind a cleft of the rock, and I'm going to cause my goodness to pass before you. And what I feel like is God's about to cause his goodness to pass before you in a way that you've never known it before. Um, he's going to open your mind up to understand kindness. Um, where doors are open to you and they're not shut in front of you. Um, where things that have been hard in the past are going to become easy. Um, understanding of what it means to have someone who stands behind you um, and is behind you in every situation. Um, he's going to become that for you. Um, God, I bless him and I bless what you're doing in his life. God, I bless him with the understanding of a good and a kind father a good and a kind father. A good and a kind father that is with him in his best moments and is with him in his worst moments. A good and a kind father that knows every thought that he has and still every thought that he has is to spend time with him. He longs to be with him. Even though he knows everything in his heart, he knows every thought in his mind, he knows every word before it comes off his tongue. And every one of his thoughts for him is good. God, I bless your longing to be with him. And I ask that it would come quickly. God, the understanding, the things you're opening up in his heart, that it come quickly. Um, last week, Bethel was here and they did some stuff. Um, in First Thessalonians, I think it's First Thessalonians, 519. Um, it says, 
do not despise prophetic utterance, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. Um, they called some people out and they spoke some things. Um, I always encourage you, whenever someone do, does that, um, don't just throw it away, even if it doesn't feel good at first. Um, don't just throw it away. Hold fast to it, right? Go and examine it. Let God determine if it's good, and if it's not good, then let it go, right? If it's good, then hold on to it. Sometimes it feels good even though you don't understand it, and you hold on to it anyways. I can't tell you <laughs> recently how many people have come up to me, and they said, do you remember when you spoke that thing to me about six years ago? And I'm like, no, I don't. Um, and they're like, when you said it, I, look, I thought, like, he's crazy. This makes absolutely no sense. And then they started to tell me the things that happened over their life over the six years and how they started to see things happen. Even after I said some of those things, I remember in myself feeling, God, this is crazy. It makes no sense. Like, this is so far from what you were trying to do in them. Sometimes it doesn't feel right in the moment, but allow God to walk it out. Okay? Do not despise it. Don't throw it away. Hold it. Examine it. Find out if it's God or not. Um... Sorry, I'm just trying to figure out the timing on something. Um, if you are an elder of this church, can you stand up for me? This was on my heart last week. Um, and it's, um, this morning it's come back again. So um, Sometimes I keep trying to push things out, and if they keep coming back, then I'm like, okay, maybe this is you, God, so we'll, we'll see where this goes. Um, I just want to pray for y'all for a minute, if that's okay. If y'all could just kind of, whatever it looks like to be um, in a place of receiving for you. God, I bless them. I bless them with being um, in your presence continually. I bless them with creative ideas. God, I bless them with understanding your thoughts, and not only your thoughts, but understanding your heart. I bless them with that, God. God, and I just speak over them that years of criticism, God, years of, um, God, years of slander and just things that have been spoken over them and feeling the weight, God, of trying to lead the body in a direction, God, and the thoughts of failing and the thoughts of missing it. God, I, I just ask all that wash off in Jesus' name. We speak over them, God, that we, we believe in them, God. We believe in their leadership. We believe in their relationship with you. We believe in their heart to be with you. We believe in their desire to be in your presence. We believe in their desire to surrender to your will to understand what you want to do. God, I ask that you open their minds to the things that you're showing them right now. Even if it's nothing that we've ever done before, God, if even if it's completely different than anything that we've ever thought here, I ask you open their minds to that, to new ideas, to new thoughts, to new paths. God, we speak rest over them. God, I speak rest over their families, that their houses would be places of joy and peace, God. Their houses would be places of protection, God, a fortress where they can go and find rest. I speak health over their bodies in Jesus' name. Speak health over their minds in Jesus' name. 
I speak it over their children and over their grandchildren, God. Health over their bodies, health over their minds. God, I ask right now that you would fill them. Everywhere that they're weary, that you fill them with joy. That you fill them with your joy, God. You would fill them, God. Stir their hearts, God, with your joy. The understanding of your thoughts for them. We just speak it in Jesus' name. Thank you all. Leanne, I want to thank you. Um, You were diligent um, in March to lead us um, into the heart of God. Um, He's stirring hunger, and you were so diligent to lead us into that. And I just want to thank you for the time that you gave up away from your family, um, the time that you spent just preparing for that, the time that you just made room for God to come and do what he wanted to do. And I just want to thank you for that. And what I ask is that God would start to encounter you in deep ways again. That there's a hunger inside of you for community um, and things that you used to experience of places that you would go and there would just be things that would be stirred and it would just pull things out of you. And I'm just, I feel like God is getting ready to release that to you again. Um, I don't know what, if it's new relationships, if it's new connections, if it's old connections being renewed. Um, but God, I bless that with her, God. God, that hunger that she has to experience your presence again, the ways that she saw you move in the past, God, where things looked impossible and she saw you change things that were impossible to be changed. I ask you to do that again in her life, God. Hey, King David. Uh, All morning, God has been declaring over you, King David. King David, I made him to rule. He's created you to rule. He's created you to walk in authority. He's created you not to be run over, not to be not to be a pauper, not to be in the background and just left alone. He's created you to rule. There's, he's, hmm. I want to be careful in how I say this. I told you the other day that I've seen so much growth in your heart. Um, it was so the purpose of God to give you and a daughter. It was so the purpose of God to do that. He was opening your heart up to aspects of compassion of what a father feels for a child. Um, and there's something about a daughter that they pull on the heart of a father different, in a different way than a son does. And there's something that he wanted to teach you about that compassion and a heart that you have for your daughter. And he's getting ready to open your mind up about that with him. Um, I think you understand, like, the aspect of trying to walk in integrity and trying to walk in holiness and trying to do the best you can. Um, but I think what God is getting ready to show you is aspects of his mercy that you've never understood before. He's never created you to fall, 
But He's created you that when you do fall, that you wouldn't understand that He's with you. That when you do fall, that He is so near to you in that moment, He doesn't run from you. He doesn't run in that moment. He's not ashamed. He's not hiding. He doesn't pull His face from you. He is so close to you in that moment. God, I ask that you change David's thoughts right now. God, everywhere that there's an aspect of poverty, God, and just living as a pauper, God, that you would start to change that for him and show him how you created him, the life that you created for him, God. You created him for good. You created good purpose around him, God. That is your heart for him. I, I hear you declaring over him, God, King David. I ask you, give him a mind of a king, God. A mind of a king that understands his place, that understands his, his relationship to you, God. He doesn't back down. And God, I speak over him right now that generations and generations and generations of failure do not define who he is. They do not define who he is. You are doing something new with him, God, that does not define who he is. I ask for success for him, God. You open success, and I know it's going to be different than what he defines success right now in his mind. But I ask for success to come quickly, God. That your favor rest on him. Um, last one, and then we'll see where else this goes. Um, someone told me recently um, that there were going to be times that God was going to ask me to be a chief, and there were going to be times that he was going to ask me to be a medicine man. Um, I feel a whole lot more comfortable with the chief. Um, I don't mind to sit and give counsel, um, to sit in a room and provide wisdom and what the Lord says. Um, when he asks me to be the medicine man, that feels weird. Um, I just don't like it. Um, no, I'm trying to get better at that. Um, last year, about this time, um, we were in a service. I was sitting um, right back there about where Terry's at. Hey, Terry, it's good to see you, by the way. It's been a long time. It's good to have you. Um, um, and I was sitting there, um, wasn't really particularly feeling the service. Um, Peyton wanted to come or something, so I was like, oh, you know, I'll take you, whatever. Um, so, um, I was sitting in the back, and, you know, I was sitting back there, wasn't really feeling worship, wasn't feeling like being here, and Peyton was running around doing what she does, um, interacting with people, because she's just what drives her heart, um, is interacting with people, um, which is odd for me. If you watch all three of my kids, um, their energy to be around people and surrounded with people all day and talking, um, I'm just like, I have no idea where it came from. <laughs> Like, uh, could I not get one that just wants to sit and quiet? <laughs> um, yeah, um, but that's okay. Um, so I was sitting back there, um, and just, you know, I, I've talked about doing this two minutes before, um, so I, I had the thought, like, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and get my two minutes out of the way, you know, I'll do it. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I guess this is as good a place to do it as any. Um, so I sat down, and I was sitting there in my two minutes, um, 
And in, the, in that point in time, the question I was asking the Lord is, I just want to be with you, whatever you want to do. Just for two minutes, whatever you want to show me, I want to be there. And so I sat down and I saw a blue whirlwind start to go around the room. And it started going around the room in a clock, clockwise pattern. Um, and as I watched, it sped up. And then the next thing I knew, I was in a room and I didn't know where I was at. Um, and there was a man that was talking to me. Um, and for a while, what I've gained understanding on is that me and Lee were pulled away from, from activity, um, even physically, we were pulled to Pembroke. Um, not to say that there's anything wrong with Pembroke. Um, the Lord pulled us there because he was pulling us out of activity. Um, and I didn't know what he was doing in the time. Um, and he pulled us out of activity. Um, and it was a hard place. Um, it was a hard place, letting go of identities, letting go of things that I had identified myself as, places I was getting value, things that I thought that people wanted from me, and what I had to do for everyone, and how I had to perform, and he pulled us away, and he took all of that away, and all that was left was him. Um, in Hosea 2.14, it says, He will draw, draw her into the wilderness, and he will speak kindly to her. But then in Hosea 2.16, if you keep going, it says, and when she comes out of the wilderness, she will no longer call me Bel, but she will call me Ishi. What, they, what he's saying is that, is that he will draw her into the wilderness to where he can speak kindly to her. And when she comes out of the wilderness, she no longer calls him master. She calls him husband. She calls him lover. The Lord drew us away to a place that there was nothing left but him. Because he wanted us to understand that we weren't slaves to what we did. He wanted to redefine who we were. He wanted to add value. In this moment when I'm sitting in the room, there's a man and he's talking to me about those years and he's talking to me about how hard they were and how I kept trying to do it by myself and I realized that I had been. And he kept saying, you had fought really good. <laughs> um, kind of like Jacob, you fought really well. Um, but it's time to stop fighting. And I felt him come and he walked up behind me and he put something on my shoulders and when he did, I reached up to touch it. And when I touched it, it was human skin. And it wrapped around me and it got tighter, kind of like when you wrap yourself in cellophane. And I knew he was wrapping me inside of himself. And he said, it's so much easier this way. And then he walked around in front of me and he put his hand on my, on my forehead. He just touched me with one finger. And when he did, I looked up and I could see through his hand. And he started to speak a blessing over me as a son and as a friend. And as he started to walk away, every step that he took, I felt the ground shake. And he would just barely step. He was so gentle, so deliberate in his movement. He wasn't rushed. He would just step slowly and gently. And when he would step down, the ground would shake. And he would lift his foot, and there would be red coals on the ground when he picked his foot up. And I knew that I had encountered the Ancient of Days. After that, about a week after, same experience. Pate wanted to come to church. I don't want to come to church, but I'll take you because nobody else wants to go, so I'll take you. Um, so I'm sitting in the back again, same feeling. Don't want to be here. Don't want to be in worship. Don't really want to be around. Um, again, I have the thought, you know, I guess I'll do my two minutes, get it out of the way for the day. Um, I sit down, I start to do my two minutes, and as I'm doing it, I feel someone walk up next to me, and I never open my eyes. 
Um, but I feel someone walk up next to me. Um, and as I'm sitting there, whoever walks up next to me, I feel him reach inside of my neck. Um, and he grabs my vertebrae. Um, so a few years ago, I was going to the doctor because I was losing feeling um, in my left foot. Um, and after about six months of doing that, um, me and Lee were in the car one day, and I was like, I need to stop and get out and walk. And she you know, said, why? And I said, well, I've lost feeling in my foot. And, and so she's like, you know, how long has this been happening? And I'm like, I don't know, about six months or so. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and so we had the, the talk about, you know, don't, don't wait six months to talk to me about things like that. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, but for a while, um, while I was at work, I would walk around at work in the office, and it, it, I had no feeling in my foot. It just felt dead, um, and I would be numb. Um, so I went to the doctor, um, and they ran a scan, um, multiple MRIs. Um, and they came back and said, we found lesions on the back of your brain, um, right where your brain stem is. Um, and they said it, it's an indicator of MS. Um, and so when they found out that my dad had actually died from MS, it sparked more interest in them. Um, so after multiple more MRIs, um, testing and all kinds of other stuff, being probed and ne needles stuck in and all this weird stuff, um, they've come back and they said, you know, we can't determine that it's MS. We can't say that it is. We can't say that it's not. Um, but the, if you will go and have liver enzymes pulled and get a spinal tap, then we can definitely decide. Um, and I said, I, I don't really feel like doing all that. <laughs> um, so we went to, spirit, to physical therapy. Um, the numbness mostly stopped. Um, but I still had pain in my back. Um, sometimes I would wake up in the morning and I wouldn't even hardly be able, be able to get out of bed. Um, I would go to work for a week and I would not even be able to sit in my chair. I would try to sit at my desk and I wouldn't even be able to sit down. I would have to stand at the side of my desk for a while before I could sit. Um, there were days my kids wanted to go outside and play um, and I just couldn't even get myself up to go play with them. Um, and so I'm standing there, um, sitting there, I guess, um, and this man walks over and he sticks his hand inside of my neck and I feel him grab my vertebrae and as he does, he starts to pull my vertebrae. Um, and I see my back um, and there's three vertebrae inside of my back that turn gold um, as he's pulling it up. Um, what they had diagnosed it as was, um, what was it called? Degenerative disc disease, um, which isn't a disease and it's not degenerative. <laughs> Um, which is interesting. Um, but literally, um, all, my understanding is just as you get older and you're sitting a lot and sedentary, that your spine starts to compact, and as it does, it squeezes on nerves. Um, and so um, that day, I had somebody reach into my neck. Now, God had been doing some things generationally with me. Um, I had had a dream where um, I was in my grandmother's house. Um, my grandmother passed away to three years ago. Um, I was in her house in this dream. Um, there's a man sitting in the floor, cross-legged. All these children are everywhere, which if you knew my grandmother would not be odd. Um, she raised kids from the time that she was 17, moved in with the family to be the nanny. She raised her younger brothers and sisters. Um, when she had kids of her own, she had five kids, um, six kids, five, I think. Uh, numbers are escaping me. 
Um, and um, even after those kids left, she started adopting my cousins that had nowhere to go and bringing them in. So even up until her 60s or 70s, she was raising kids that were 9 and 10 years old inside her house. Um, so um, it wasn't odd at all that there were kids all over her house. Um, but this man's sitting in the floor. He's sitting cross-legged. All these kids are sitting there talking to him. Um, and I go and I lay down at the man's feet. Um, and as I do, a friend of mine comes and he lays across my back. And when he lays across my back, I see the sky and I see this trap door open. Um, and his voice starts talking to me about everything that I'm seeing through this trap door. Um, and I lay there and I watch for a while. And finally, I kind of come out of it in a dream. I kind of shake myself. My friend gets off my back, <laughs> um, which is interesting because he's a large man. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the dream, I didn't feel any of that. Um, he gets off my back, and all he says is, wow, did you see all that? And I said, well, yeah, I did. Um, so I walk into the kitchen, and my grandmother's standing in the kitchen, and she's about 40 years younger than she was when she passed away. And she's laughing, and she's cooking, which, again, is not odd. Um, she's laughing, and she's cooking, and she turns around and hands me a box and says, this is for your mom. She needs this. Take it to her. Um, about that same time, my mom started to have dreams. Um, about her grandmother coming to her. And she would see all of her great uncles lined in order of age from oldest to youngest. And the, her grandmother would come and she would, my, her grandmother would hand a box to my grandmother. Um, my grandmother would hand the box to my mom and say, your uncles need this, will you give it to them? And my mom would hand it to my uncles, my great uncles, and they would pass it from line to line to line from generation to generation. So I knew God was doing things, that things that had been unfinished in past generations were give, being given back to us. My mom had dreams, started having these series of dreams. Again, my dad had MS. She started to have these series of dreams of my dad being in bed, and he wasn't able to get up by himself. And in the dream, my dad would be laying in the bed, and all he kept saying was, if you can just help me get up, I can get moving again. If you can just help me get on my feet, I can get moving again. I knew that God was doing something on the male line of my family, that he was trying to get it back on its feet. Um, so all these things happen. Um, and I'm not quite sure why I told you all that. <laughs> um, I've not talked about all that publicly. Um, I guess that's the medicine man part. Um, anyways, um, all these things happen. I'm sitting in the back, and the man comes up, grabs my spine, he pulls it straight. Um, I know that the three vertebrae that are turning gold um, have to do with generational things that he's redeeming. Um, I also know that when he did that, all the pain in my back went away. Um, and um, the pain comes back sometimes, every now and then. Um, I do dumb things sometimes at my <laughs> against my wife's will. Um, and I'll end up being in a chair for a couple of days again. Um, but for the most part, the pain's not there. Um, today, the pain came back pretty intensely. Um, and I feel like what I want to do is pray for people um, that have pain in their back. Um, if you feel like you have any pain in your back that's just been lingering, I, I, I would like to pray for you. Even if it's something that doesn't linger and it's just consistent, if it's something that comes and goes and comes and goes, um, I would like to pray for you. Um, if that's you, could you stand up for me? Wow. And I do have notes, and maybe I'll get to some of them. 
I promise I spent a lot of time trying to get ready for today. <laughs> um, but like I said, my heart has been, God, I want to do what you want to do, and I don't want to do anything without you. And he said, okay, let's do this. <laughs> um, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come. Just ask you to breathe on us, God. That your breath of life would come into the room, God. God, I know that I had an encounter in the back of this room where you touched me, God, and you took pain out of my back just instantaneously. God, I think it had to do with some generational stuff that you were doing, but I know that the ultimate effect, God, is that the pain in my back left. God, I ask for that for these people. God, they're standing right now in a place of faith saying, I believe that that same thing can happen for me right now. God, they are standing saying, I believe that there's a God in heaven that heals. I believe there's a God in heaven that takes pressure away from my back. There's a God in heaven that sewed me together, that understands exactly how I was made and designed me to live without pain. God, I declare that over their bodies right now, that pain leave in Jesus' name. Pain leave in Jesus' name. God, I ask that healing come right now into their backs, God. Places that are tight would become loose. God, places that have sharp, searing pains would become loose. Numbness would, become, would go away, God. Feeling would return. God, we speak to Jim Ebel. We speak to his back, God, that feeling returned to his legs in Jesus' name. We speak to Amy Belshan, God. We speak to her spine and all the signals that it's sending, God, and we speak that it start to operate in the order that you created it for, God. God, I ask you to come. God, it doesn't have to be anyone touching them. It doesn't have to be anyone coming to them. You can come and move on them, God. You can move on them. Just ask you to come, God. God, I just, God, I, I just pray that doubt of years of being prayed for would be silenced in Jesus' name. Doubt, God, of years of being prayed for and not seeing effect, God, that it would go away and that faith would come back, God, that they would keep seeking, they would keep knocking, God, they would keep asking. God, you said if we seek, you'll, you'll, open, you, you'll give us, God. If, you, if we knock, you'll open the door to us, God. If we ask, you'll answer. God, and I ask that that kind of determination, God, would come back to them of faith, of not giving up, God. Not giving up until they feel your goodness here on the land of the living, God. They encounter your goodness here. God, just ask you to move ask you to move. God, I know that you love them. I know that your heart is so for them to live without pain, God. Just ask you to move. That even the simplest of tasks, God, that have caused so much pain, that it would change. 
God, things that they've desired to do that they've had to let go of in their lives because of the pain, I ask that you return that to them. You return that to them, God. Interacting with their kids, interacting in passions that they have, that God, that it hurt too much to do anymore. I ask that that be returned to them. Everything that was stolen, God, that it be returned to them. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Feel free to stand if you need to stand longer. Um, I'm not trying to rush you at all. Um, all right, now we'll see if God actually wants to do some stuff <laughs> that I've studied. Where are we at on time? Oh, great. We've got about 11 minutes to get through this. Oh. <laughs> uh, I woke up this morning and the phrase has been on my heart of be filled, be filled, be filled, be filled. Um, and it's just rolling through my mind, be filled, be filled, be filled. Um, there's such an interactive place in that. That is not something that God can do um, without me taking part and receiving what he's giving me. Um, I don't know about you all, I've prayed for people before and I've asked for God to come on them and to fill them. And when God comes, I feel him come on me, and I'm praying for them. And I've had to tell them sometimes, if you don't take this, I'm going to be on the floor in a minute. Right? Um, God is coming right now, and if you don't receive this, I'm not going to be able to pray for you anymore. Right? Um, there's something sometimes that I have to be willing to receive what he wants to give me. Um, God. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get through any of this or not. Um, God, um, all right. If you want, um, if you just want to ask God to fill you, um, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. Well, get into whatever position of receiving is good for you. Let me say that. If it's sitting, if it's standing, if it's standing on your head, um, if it's like Tulio standing on a chair, whatever it looks like for you to be in a place of receiving, I want to pray for you. Um, I just want to ask that God would breathe on you and fill you again. Is that okay for a minute? God, I know there's a wave coming. I've seen it. I've felt it, God. I've heard it. I've heard the wind, God. I've heard it coming. God, and it's hard to wait sometimes in the in-between. God, I know that there's something big that you're going to do. But in the meantime, God, we don't want to be without you. We don't want to do this by ourselves. God, like you came and wrapped yourself around me. God, I ask that you would wrap yourself around them, that you would fill them, God. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and fill them with joy. <laughs> Come and fill them with joy right now. Fill their hearts in places that they're dry, places that they're weary, places that they're tired, places they want to give up, that it's hard to believe anymore. Your joy come. Your joy is our strength. We just ask that your joy be released in Jesus' name. You said that when we go into a house, that if we're, if we're met, then to release peace, God. God, I release joy over them. 
I release joy into their lives, into their houses, God. God, I ask that you would fill them to overflowing. Paul, Peter said when they came out of the upper room and they said, oh, they're all drunk with wine and it's only 10 in the morning. He said, we're not drunk like you think. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. I ask that you fill them to that capacity, God, that you overwhelm their senses. Fill them, God. Fill them, God. I ask that you would breathe on this room, God. Holy Spirit, that you would begin to move. My heart this morning, I keep having pictures play out in my mind of encounters that I've had with you, of moments of ministry when your presence fell in such a way that I couldn't even see through the cloud in the room to see people. I ask you to come like that. Come that strong, that tangibly, that heavy, that weighty, that weightiness of your peace and your joy, that it would come on us that way. Your presence would be real and tangible. Fill them up. I know that we need you. This thought keeps coming to my mind. I know that we need you, but it's not just that we need you. We want you. We make an open invitation to you to come. Not just out of need, but out of desire to be with you, Holy Spirit. Desire to know you. Desire to be known by you. We want to be with you. Just ask you to come. Even the people that are at home, if they're in their kitchens, living rooms, dining rooms, whatever they are, ask that your presence would fill the room right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we love you. You are so precious. We surrender to what you want to do. God, I ask that you'd fill their minds with remembrances of times in the past that you came in heavy, strong ways. Times in the past that you came in heavy, strong ways. Remind them of that. Bring it back to their mind, God. Bring it back to the forefront of their mind, the way that that felt, what they experienced, the things that they learned about who you are in that moment. Bring that back to their mind, back to remembrance, that we would stand in a place of remembering your faithfulness, remembering all the times that you showed up in the past, even when we didn't ask for it, you just interrupted our life. Remind them of those. And then I ask for those moments to come back to them. So I'm going to do some stuff. Y'all can feel free to stand. You can feel free to sit. You don't have to come out of it. Um, it's not going to interrupt me at all. Um, as I said, my kids never stop talking. Um, I'm used to talking with all kinds of things happening around me, trying to focus with just chaos, what it seems around me. Um, you're not interrupting me at all. Just stay there. Wait on him. 
Ephesians 5.18, again, it says to be filled with the Spirit. In Acts, it talked about how the Spirit will come upon us for power. I've been studying in Isaiah 11, and it says, And a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make decisions by what his ears hear. The statement that is the most interesting in that whole, whole passage there that is sticking out to me is the only aspect of the Holy Spirit that it says that Jesus will delight in is the fear of the Lord. It doesn't say that he will delight in wisdom. It doesn't say he will delight in understanding. It doesn't say that he will delight in counsel, even though I know he walked in all three of those. I know that he walked in knowledge. I know that he walked in might, but he delighted in the fear of the Lord. And I'm asking God, God, will you teach me what that means to delight in the fear of the Lord? I want to understand it. Not from a heady place, not from just understanding in my mind. I want to understand it in my heart. And this week, my mind kept going back to trying to teach on that, and I know that I can't do it from a heady place. It's got to be something where I encounter the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I've got to encounter it and know it before I can teach about it. I'm just saying that because I'm letting you know at some point I think I'm going to be talking about it. And I'm not going to be comfortable to do it. <laughs> My mind keeps being drawn to light. Um, God is light, right? So when God, if God is light, everything about him is light. Do you know what, when white light is reflected? White light is reflected when every other wavelength of light is being reflected. When all wavelengths of light are being reflected, it turns into white. So what I'm starting to understand is the Holy Spirit in a wholeness is all seven of those characteristics put together. Holy Spirit being a representation of white light. When all seven of those characteristics come and combine, the Holy Spirit comes in fullness. Um, I think I can interact with each one of the aspects of the Spirit individually. Light, different wavelengths of light reflect different color. You know that violet, which would be the spirit of the fear of the Lord, it takes the highest frequency of light for violet to be reflected. In the most intense moments, the spirit of the fear of the Lord just immediately comes. You've seen it, right? When John in Revelation, when Jesus walks up to him and it says that he fell like a dead man in his feet, the spirit of the fear of the Lord hit him and he just fell. Daniel, same thing, he's by the river and Jesus walks up to him and Daniel falls on his face and all the strength leaves his body and then Jesus touches him and stands him back up on his feet. The spirit of the fear of the Lord, immediately you're in his presence and it just hits, fullness of it. I'm pretty certain that most of the priests that went behind the veil probably experienced that. Um, you know, they would put the little bell on them. I wouldn't have been real confident, right? I'd have been in there kicking my foot constantly. <laughs> right? I'm still okay. Um, right? You walk into the presence of the Lord, and it's absolute order. It's absolute justice. It's absolute righteousness. Everything in your life gets ordered all at one time, and anything that was out of order, they were just dead. Right? He ordered it all immediately. Anything that was not in place got put in place, and it killed them because the order came so quickly. 
So Jesus comes, and he dies for us, and he pays for all that. So now I can go into the presence of God without being, well, hopefully, without being afraid of dying immediately. <laughs> um, but the fear of the Lord is still r real, right? You've been in moments, I've been in moments, I should say, when the presence of God comes, and I'm almost afraid to breathe. Like, I feel like if I'm going to breathe, I'm going to contaminate the atmosphere with my breath, and I don't even want to breathe because I don't want to mess up what he's doing. Um, at some point, I think I'm going to get into that a little bit more. Um, right now, where my heart is, is, God, I want to understand what character of your Holy Spirit are you reflecting today? If the Holy Spirit wants to come in fullness, that's great. If he wants to come in a spirit of wisdom, then I want to understand that, and I want to respond accordingly. If he wants to come in a spirit of understanding, I want to respond accordingly to that. I'm trying to understand all the different aspects of the Holy Spirit because I want to become friends with him. I don't want to just have a theory of this guy that's out there that kind of floats around and does cool stuff sometimes. I want to understand him, be friends with him. I want to be personally related to him, have, have a relationship, an intimate relationship with him. It says the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. In John, it said, And John testified, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove, and he remained upon him. John saw that, right? What was declared in Isaiah 11. Jesus was baptized. John said, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. He said, you know, I sh you should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, this needs to happen. So he was baptized. He came up out of the water, and the Spirit of the Lord came on him like a dove, landed on him, and it stayed. It rested on him. I want to walk my life in a way that the Spirit of the Lord comes and rests on me. I want to understand how am I in relationship with the Spirit of the Lord that it will come and rest on me and never leave. I know that it comes upon me at the point of like getting baptized in the Spirit. It comes upon me. It gives me power. That's all for interactions of people around me, right? The Spirit comes on me for people around me. He's in me for me. He's in me because He wants me to know God. He wants me to know the thoughts of God. He's my helper. He teaches me all things. He's a perfect representation of who Jesus is. Jesus is a perfect representation of the Father. He's in me for me to understand, for me to have confidence. I want him to come on me. I want to impact the world around me. You hear the stories about Peter? He walked down the road and they would put people at his shadow, right? And he would walk by and his shadow would touch them and they would be healed. Who was it, Paul, that they would take a rag and they would rub it on his body and then they would ship it out to people and they would touch the rag and they would instantly be healed? He was so full of the Spirit, it sat on him so fully that people would actually rub a rag on his skin and send it to someone and they would be healed. But God wants you to rest on me that way. I want to walk in a relationship with the Spirit of God and I want him to rest on me that way. I want him to rest on this body that way. I want him to begin to rest in this area in that way. That the Spirit of God would come. And atmospheres would change when people walk in the room. When they walk down the street, things would change. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and I will give you a, he will give you a helper so that he may be with you forever. Reality is, is the Spirit of the Lord is in me. He ne he's never going to leave me. He's with me forever. There's nothing I can do to make him leave. He's with me forever. Right? There's a difference in in me and with me forever than on me. 
There's some things of interacting in relationship, being in the presence of God, doing the will of God that draws the presence of the Spirit to sit on me and affect things around me. In John 7, 17, it says, If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know about the teaching, whether it is from God or not. I've started to sit in that a little bit, and I've started to wonder, does that even go into discernment? Like if I'm willing to do God's will when he asks me to do something, are the places that I question him the most the places that I haven't surrendered my will to him? Are the places that I feel like I get to question if he really wants to do it that way? Are those the places that my will is the most unsurrendered? Again, someone told me I'm going to be a chief and I'm going to be a medicine man. I think I miss most of the medicine man stuff. I was kidding around for a little while with Lee and a few other people. <laughs> um, telling them I was going to start a blog and I was going to name it all the thoughts I'm trying to ignore. Um, because all those medicine man thoughts come and I just want to write them in a blog and get them out and then the pressure leaves me and I don't have to do anything with it. That is not obedience. <laughs> um, God is talking to me about that. Partial obedience is not obedience. Right? Telling someone else about it, hoping that someone else will feel the energy and go do it, and I can be like, yeah, you did great. Um, that is not obedience. <laughs> right? He's speaking things to me that he wants me to do. You look at it with Saul and Samuel. God told Saul, go kill, I think it was all the Amalekites. He said, go kill them all, wipe them off the face of the earth. All their animals, all their men, all their women, all their kids, everything gone. Don't take anything, their treasure, don't bring anything back. Right? Samuel shows up and he's like, hey, Saul, what happened? Saul's like, well, all the people, when we got there, they saw this great treasure. And so they were like, you know, we should pick some of that up and bring it back. And they were like, you know, we should take the king back and his family and we should take some of these animals and we'll go back with them. Um, and we'll sacrifice all of it to God and thank him, you know, for all the great stuff he just did for us. And Samuel says, you know, someone bring me a sword and bring me the king. And he hacks them all to pieces right there in the courtroom. Um, Aaron likes that part. Um, and so um, Samuel's there, right? And he tells Saul, he's like, Saul, while the Lord has, um, let me just read it because my mind is all over the place. Um, does the Lord have as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Saul then turns around to Samuel a few verses later and says, I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord in your words, because I feared what the people I feared the people and listened to their voice. You see this later when Saul goes to a to a lady and she does a seance and calls Samuel back, right? And they call the spirit of Samuel back and Saul says, hey, can you at least just go with me and say something to the people so they'll all know that God hasn't left me? Because he's so afraid of what all the people think. He hid behind the luggage. In his soul, he was not surrendered to be obedient because he was so afraid of what the people around him thought. He had unsurrendered places in his heart. Now you look at David it says David did all the will of God. Of course, David did things that were not the will of God. You know, that's very evident. Um, but what happened is when David would do stuff, he was so surrendered to God that he would just go and cry out for the mercy of God in ways that I don't understand how he knew. I don't understand in the Old Testament, before Jesus had come and did everything he did, how did David know that? How did David have that understanding of the mercy and the faithfulness of God? I don't understand. But his will was so surrendered 
Even it said that God brought Saul into two caves to deliver him into David's hand. And David reached out one time and cut the edge of his cloak off. And he went back and he repented to God and said, I'm so sorry for sticking my hand out against your anointed, for reaching my hand out against him. David, David was so surrendered to what the will of God was. He didn't even want to take action to remove someone that God had already said the kingdom was being torn away from him. David wanted to wait on God to move. He didn't want to take action into his own hands. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, that although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Taking the form of a bondservant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Um, that's pretty intense surrender. Right? And I've read this verse a lot lately because it sits on me, but at Hebrews 5, 7, and it says that in the days of his humanity, he offered up prayers and pleas with loud crying and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his devout behavior. Although he was a son, he learned obedience in the things that he suffered. Right? I mean, obviously Jesus didn't just go joyfully skipping to go to the cross, right? He would go into, the, into places and he would, with loud prayers and pleas, tears in the night, cry out to the one who was able to save him. But what did he continually do over and over and over again? Not my will, but your will. He completely surrendered his will over and over and over Luke, 2, Luke 22, 42 says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Again, he's in a garden. He's asking seriously. It wasn't just a nicety. It wasn't false humility. He's like, God, if there's some other way, I would love to know what that is. Like, if there's anything else you can do, I would love to go that direction if you want to. But he said, not my will, but your will be done, right? God has been talking to me. If I really want to walk in the presence, if I want to walk in a way that the Holy Spirit rests on me, I've got to be surrendered. It's not always going to be what I want. I didn't really feel like doing what I did up here this morning, but it felt like that's what God wanted to do, and I wanted to be obedient. Because I want to surrender my will. I keep walking in and saying, God, I give you all my thoughts. I give you my emotions. I give you my ideas. I give you all my opinions, and I only want what, you, what are yours. And if it's not yours, then take it away from me. And if he brings it back, then I start to pay attention. But if it goes away, then I want it to go away because it's not him. And I'm not saying he doesn't give me a mind. He's given us minds. He's given us the ability to think. The mind is an incredible thing. And I'm not saying that we should just walk around like these random robots or puppets on a string. It's relational. John 15, 15, he said, No longer do I call you slaves, but I call you friends, because a slave doesn't know what his master's doing. He doesn't want me to be a slave. That's why I think we misunderstand the fear of God. Because I think we go into the fear of God seeing God as a master instead of a friend. I think we go into the fear of God without understanding that he's my husband, he's my lover. And I go into it as a slave, and I'm afraid that I'm going to be punished if I don't do what he wants. And that is not the heart of God. He shares all things with me. He shares his thoughts with me because he wants to do things with me. He wants me to be able to take part and do the things that he wants to do. That's where the presence comes. When I'm doing the things he wants to do, that's where the Holy Spirit's going to be because he wants to do what the Father does too. If I'm being obedient and I'm stepping into the things that he's asking, the presence of the Lord will be there. The Spirit of God will be there. It won't always be easy. doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but he'll be there with me. 
In John 5, 19, it says, Therefore Jesus answered him, saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the Father doing. For whatever he sees the Father do, these things the Son also does. Jesus would do nothing. He says it clearly. I will do nothing unless it's something I see the Father doing. And I'm sure that Jesus' mind was really good. I'm sure he was very intelligent, right? I'm sure he had good ideas and he had good thoughts. And he said, I won't do anything without him. I won't do anything that I don't see him doing. He walked into the pool of Bethesda. How many people did he heal? One. He didn't go to everybody. I don't know why. He saw what God was doing there and he walked up and he healed the one that he saw God moving on. The man that laid at the gate beautiful, right? And they walked by and they... They said, you know, he said, all I have is, you know, Jesus and here, take this. Um, how long had that man been there? He said he'd been there for many years. Jesus probably walked through that gate multiple times. Why didn't he heal the man then? I don't know. But I know that he only did what he saw his father doing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I think one of the things that I've started to realize that hinders us a lot is that we rely on our own understanding and past successes end, us, end up preventing us from experiencing God in the moment that he's in. Because God speaks something, and I rely on my past success. I rely on places in the past and the things that I've gained and understood. And I say, oh, I know what he wants to do now. He may want to do that. But it's not just me to rely on my own understanding and the past success. I need to make sure that what I'm doing is like in the wilderness. I'm following the cloud. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit through the wilderness. That we are led in every situation. When he speaks and I'm trying to be obedient, that I still let him lead me in it. That I don't depend on what I know and what I've learned and all the things that I saw happen in the past. It's not always going to work that way. We went um, um, and sat with somebody recently, and they're trying to start some new meetings. And they were asking us about, you know, what do you think we should be doing, and do you think this feels right? Um, and that's where the conversation went. If you're trying to do what you've done in the past, this is incredible. Um, if you're trying to do what you did, you know, 20 years ago, this is great, because you're doing it exactly the way that you did 20 years ago. Um, but if you want to do what God's doing now, um, then you probably don't want to just do what you did 20 years ago. Um, it's so easy to get into that pattern. I'm comfortable doing the things that I know were successful in the past. Um, right? It's not easy to step out into things that I don't know if they're going to work or not. <laughs> I don't want to get through all this. I know I'm not going to. And when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come as someone superior in speaking ability or wisdom. I can proclaim to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I think this is where God is leading us to, that we let go of the past. We let go of all of our ideas of what the future looks like. Um, there's a weight that sits on people because um, sometimes relationships fall apart. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes bad things happen that we don't expect. And sometimes we get really disappointed and we blame God for that. 
Um, most of the time when I blame God for that, it's because in my soul I've decided what my future looks like. I've decided what my will is for what the future should be, and when it doesn't turn out that way, then I blame God for things that I decided should happen. And I think what God is saying is that we've got to get back to the place that we are determined to know nothing but Jesus and Jesus crucified. Keep it simple. I don't care about anything. You know, Paul said, I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I went to the greatest schools. I was at all the greatest ministries. I was invited to every conference with all the greatest, you know, ministry speakers. Everybody wanted to be around me. I was a Jew of Jews, all this stuff. And then he said, but I counted all as rubbish for the sake of knowing him. Right? And I think God is stirring hunger. He wants to stir hunger here. That The only thing that I care about is to know him. The only thing I want to know is to know Jesus crucified, that his spirit would come, and I would know the spirit, I would interact with the spirit, that it would rest on me. And then I really am going to finish with this. <laughs> um, um, if we really want to walk in the things of the spirit, we want to walk in the presence of God, and we want the spirit of God to rest on us. Um, reality is, is I don't get to choose what that looks like. Um, it's not a menu, right? God doesn't drop the menu down and say, you can a la carte decide what you want my presence to be. Well, I'll take healing, and I'll take peace, and I'll take wisdom, because those feel good. Um, if I want the Spirit of God to come, and I want Him to change things, and I want Him to change my environment, and I want Him to change things around me, then I've got to be in a place of total surrender, I'm going to give you everything. I will surrender my will. I want to do what you want and only what you want. And even if it looks like something that I don't have any understanding for, things that are too, too great for my mind to comprehend, I'm okay with that. As long as I know it's you and you're with me. Moses told God, he said, God said, I'm going to send an angel and I'm going to wipe out everybody in front of you. And you're going to go to the land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses stopped him. Well, <laughs> It's funny, God said, I'm going to do that because if I go with you, there's a good chance I'm going to kill you because um, I'm tired of all your obstinance. Like, if I go do this journey with you, I'm probably going to wipe you all out. Um, and Moses slows down and says, God, how can we find favor? Like, how will people know that I found favor with you? And God said, Moses, I've known you by name, and I will go with you, and my presence will go. And Moses said, if you don't go with us, then I don't want to go. I'll give up the land flowing with milk and honey and I'll stay here in the wilderness where it's hard and we don't know what we're eating day to day and I don't know where water's gonna come from tomorrow and everybody's gonna keep complaining, but you know what, I'm gonna stay here if this is where you are. And he was willing to give up everything that looked like success, everything that was successful, everything that was the goal, the, the end goal, this is the dream, let's get there. He was willing to give all of that up because he wanted to just be in the presence of God. God told Miriam and Aaron, Aaron, why, are you, why do you think you get to complain about Moses? Do you not understand that Moses is a friend of God? He speaks to God face to face like a man speaks to his friend. Moses was considered a friend of God. He changed the mind of God. God said, I'm going to wipe everybody out. Moses went and talked to him about it, and it said that, that God changed his mind in the conversation with Moses. That's an intense relationship, Right? Moses was surrendered. God, I will let go of all of it. I will give all of it up if you're not going to be in it with me. If you're not going to be there, if you're not going to be with me, I don't want to do it. 
and I'm not sure how to end. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I know I went a little bit over. Um, if you need to go, um, feel free. It's not going to distract me again. Um, I don't want to rush. Like I said, it's so weird when you say, God, I'm going to surrender and give you everything, and then he takes you at your word. Um, 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 now, my heart today, it just longs so much. I was pacing up here up front, and I just kept saying, God, I only want what you want. I only want to do what you want to do, and if it's not you, then I don't want it. Um, can, I, can you stand for me and let me pray for you? Mitch, do you have anything? I think at some point I'm going to come back to the seven spirits of God. Um, I think it needs to build for a little bit. Um, but today, um, I would like to pray for you before I completely hand everything over. One more time, um, if that's okay. I know I've prayed for you a lot today. <laughs> um, God, um, I know you said, blessed are those that are hunger and thirst, for they will be filled, God. And we, God, we want to hunger, we want to thirst for you. We want to hunger and thirst for your presence, for the things that are you. We don't want to have a taste for anything that's not you. God, we're sorry. I repent on my part, God. I'm sorry. God, where I thought that I got to question your will, where I got to question the things that you put on my heart to do, and I thought I could define what that looked like sometimes, and I didn't fully surrender to you. God, and I'm sorry about that. God, I don't in any way ever want to hinder what your will is. God, I want to partner with you as a friend. I'm not afraid of you, God. I am so passionate to see the things that are on your heart done. God, I want to see your heart done for the people that are here. I want to see your heart done for the people that are not just in this town, God, but that are in this county, in this region, God. I want to see your heart come for them. I know that it is so good, God. God, I want to interact with you in a way that I help release that, God. We want to walk in a way with you, God, that we help to release your will. And I know sometimes that means that I have to surrender things inside of myself. I'm not surrendering as a slave, afraid that you're going to punish me or whip me. It's as a friendship because I love you and I know you love me. The places that I don't trust your goodness, God, I ask that you would start to speak to those in my heart. The places that I don't trust that you're leading me into good, I ask that you start to speak to those in my heart, God. That I will be fully equipped, fully ready to do your will. Willing to do your will, God. 
I pray that for them. God, that they would be fully equipped, fully released, ready to do your will, willing to do your will, whatever that is. And God, I ask that you teach us what it means to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Teach us what it means to interact with Him, to be with Him, to be in love with Him, to have an intimate relationship with Him, that He would rest on us and sit on us and impact the world. Teach us what that looks like, God. Let's pray it in Jesus' name.